Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball, episode 76. You'll hear from C.J. Abrams and Mackenzie Gore, but first, you get to hear from Toby Altizer. We are taping this pod on Thursday night after another win, another series victory, taking two of three from Boston. How about this, Toby? The Nationals last season finished the year 55-107 and overall. Today... As we tape, their record is 55 and 67. The same number of wins, 40 games to play. Yeah, I've been very impressive watching this team and the growth from last year to this year. I mean, we've talked about it before, even just looking at the young guys, but then even just looking at the team as a whole, they're competitive and they go out there and fight their tail off every single night. And You see it in this Red Sox series. You've seen it all throughout the year, and now they've already reached their win total 40 games sooner. It's it's been an incredible year for this team because even though the win-loss record isn't spectacular, you know, I wouldn't go and say that this team is a good team yet or anything like that, but compared to what the expectations were coming into this year, Grant, they've definitely overachieved, and you can see clear growth, and it doesn't even have to be with an individual player. It's just the team as a whole. This team is looking a lot better, and you can see it now in the win-loss record, the fact that they're going to blow past their win total from last year. Grant, I looked at, you know, before the season, I tweeted out that I thought maybe 65 and 97, and that would mean that they're going to go 10 and 30 over the last 40 games, and I would expect them to be better than that. So, you know, this is a team that, you know, maybe 70 wins is a little bit too high of a mark, but... I mean, they could get somewhere close to that. Yeah, I think it's very much in play. And you're going to hear Mackenzie Gore talk about what you just said, which was the growth as a club, the fact that these guys are learning how to win, which I think is going to be invaluable moving on into next season. As you said, it's easy to focus individually on the building block players that we talk about all the time and what is more of an individualized sport for success, baseball than football or something like that. Because you could just say, well, C.J. Abrams has made a big leap, check. K. Barrett Ruiz has made a massive jump at the plate, check. Josiah Gray, who has had a tough second half, but was an all-star and has done some really good things, check. Mackenzie Gore, you'll hear from on the pod. 
know, has starts like the one he just had where he went six and a third, one hit, dominant innings, and looks like a front of the rotation starter check. James Woods got over 20 bombs. He's in double A as a 20-year-old, looks the part, check. Brady House has had a hell of a year in the minor leagues and is on his way, check. Dylan Cruz is hitting closer to 400 than 300 as a pro, as a number two overall pick, check. And you, you just chalk it up and say, this has been a really successful season for this rebuild. But larger than that is, to the, the gore point, like they are winning and learning how to win. If all those things were happening and they had 35 wins and 87 losses, like you could possibly feel better about the future. But the fact that they're 12 within 500, and I'm not sitting here pretending like this is a wild card contender, so don't mishear me. I'm just trying to make a larger point. They are eight games back in the wild card right now. They're four games back of the Padres, who are four and a half out. They're a half game behind the Mets, who spent all the money they did before their sell-off. Like, what's happening is pretty incredible. And you and I have critiqued Davey. We've critiqued the front office and Rizzo, drafting, player development, a lot of different things. And I think we, we are fair on this podcast, and that's what I want to be. More than anything else, I want to be respectful. I want to be fair. Uh, but I don't I don't want to carry water, and I don't want to be, a, you know, someone who just complains about everything and confirms my priors and acts like a jerk. So we're trying to be fair. And, and I think it is important to give credit right now for this season to Mike Rizzo who goes and, and brings in Candelario, who was awesome. And, it, you know, his idea with Dom Smith, everyone says, oh, they brought him in to hit for power. No, they didn't. They brought him in to play tre tremendous defense and ideally, you know, hit for more power than he has. But to save C.J. Abrams some errors and Luis Garcia to make him better in the infield and help their young pitching, like that's happened. They bet on Manessis, even though he has not had the same year as last year. That has been a success compared to where this started as a, a minor league free agent. And that's on the veteran side, not to mention the most important stuff, the development of these young guys, the Soto trade. So I think you got to give him a lot of credit. And then how about Davey, who I have been very critical of at times and who just on last week's pod, I guess it was, I talked about not thinking is nearly as good as a manager at say, you know, as Rizzo is as a GM, but like at some point, Davey and this staff deserve credit for overachieving, right? I mean, this, team is 10 or so games maybe better than a lot of us thought they would be right now guys like stone garrett and uh the, the bullpen and you can look all around the, the team they, they're all kind of playing a little better than we thought and the young guys are coming on and some of the 4a guys like jordan weems have had success someone deserves credit for that from a coaching standpoint and the one thing we've always said about davy tobe and you point this out a lot the team plays really really hard for this guy yeah, I mean, I'll start with Mike Rizzo because I got a Davey point here I'll hit in a second. But with Rizzo, you talked about Dom Smith, and I think it's an interesting point that you bring up that he's going to save C.J. Abrams some errors. Where would C.J. be right now if early in the season Joey Manessis was playing at first base every oh. single day and that error count was seven or eight errors higher? Yeah. You know, do we see this breakout from CJ where does he get sent to the minors at some point? Right. Exactly. Or, or, like, yeah, you have to give Mike Rizzo some credit. Yes. You might not have gotten the offensive production you would have liked out of Dominic Smith. But when you look at what CJ's done, him getting that security blanket at first base where not every throw had to be perfect. He was able to be saved a couple of times. And then look at what CJ's done over the last couple of months where he looks comfortable. He looks like he's now accustomed to playing in the big leagues. Like, I wonder if some of that is just 
he has been able to be kind of coddled along in the big leagues here. And now he's starting to break out and kind of see that guy. So I think you have to give credit where credit's due with Mike Rizzo. And obviously, you know, we're talking with uh, CJ Abrams at the end of the podcast. You have Mackenzie Gore. Those are two guys that Rizzo brought over in the Soto trade. And I think any Nationals fan will be happy with that now. So, you know, I think you have to be happy with the job Rizzo's done at least in the last year. So I think that he's someone that should stick around. And the case with Davey is when you look at what he's done this season, he has these guys playing hard. He has these guys developing. These guys are doing a good job of getting better and playing together as a ball club. My one concern with Davey, and you saw it pop up as we're recording Thursday night, you saw it pop up in this game against the Red Sox, the series finale, is some of the in-game managerial decisions kind of drive you nuts. So, you know, the the clubhouse stuff is awesome, but this is why I held out a little reservation because in this game, Robert Garcia comes in, he ends up loading the bases, gives up the grand slam, and he leaves him in there. And I think his thought process is it's a six-man rotation. That means one less bullpen guy trying to save some arms. You know, just looking at guys that had gone back-to-back days, there were two guys that weren't available. So that means five guys in the pen are available. He had Machado up and ready to go. He's probably looking at it saying, all right, top of the order. He only needs one more out. You got Ref Schneider, and then you got Rafael Devers. And he's probably thinking, you know, hopefully he can get Ref Schneider. But if not, he can have a lefty-lefty matchup for Devers. And I just don't like that philosophy because he ends up walking Ref Snyder, gives up the home run to Devers. And so those are the sort of things where I think that Davey's a very good clubhouse manager, I think, in those sort of cases. I question his in-game decisions, and we haven't had a lot of examples of that this year, Grant, because, frankly, at times, it didn't matter what decision he made. It was probably going to be the wrong one earlier in the year with the bullpen. It was just he, he couldn't he couldn't do anything right. But now some of those sort of decisions still irk me, but then you look at it and you weigh it. And we've talked about this before. I don't know that another manager when it wins the world series in 2019 with what he did. And then you look at what this clubhouse has right now, this roster has right now. If you brought in another manager, take your pick. Do they have a better record than they do right now? So, you know, I think it's a, a catch 22 with Davey that. He's a fantastic clubhouse guy and gets the guys to play hard every single day. And he motivates them and keeps their, their hopes up, keeps the morale high, but sometimes he's going to have bad in-game managerial decisions. So it'll be interesting to see what they ultimately decide to do, but you know, you can't fault them if ultimately next year you roll around and Davey's still managing this team and Mike Rizzo still the general manager. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point it'd be really, really hard Uh, for a new owner to look at this rebuild midway through and say you want to go in a different direction than Rizzo, the way that this thing is going. I mean, it's been fairly clinical at this point. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like everything's been perfect or that the system is solved and fixed, but if you just look at the day they made the Soto trade, or or you go back before that, two years ago, when they made the the Turner-Scherzer deal to today, and you grade this thing, it's an A rebuild to this point. I mean, there's really no other way to grade this. You know, worst case, if, if you're a really tough grader, you could say B. I'm not telling Nats fans everyone should be, you know, all elated and, and jubilant and it's all gravy train and biscuit wheels and rainbows and sunshine. I mean, this team needs to spend money. I got major questions about the ownership. I don't know if they'll be able to sell. The Masson deal's a fiasco. I, I get all that. None of that has changed. But I, I think if you're coming in here, let's say you're a new owner. I think if the learners are here, it's a no-brainer. You keep Rizzo. 
But if you're a new owner and you're looking at this right now and you've seen that Rizzo was the architect of one championship team and they're kind of in the middle of seemingly being back toward competing two years from now at a pretty high level with the talent they're assembling, I, I think it's you're hard-pressed to move on from him. I wonder what kind of options he'll have and if he wants to stay here, not knowing the future of ownership. I'm interested in that. I think the Davey situation is much more complicated, and we'll continue to talk about that. Uh, K-Bert Ruiz behind the plate. So, look, we've harped on the defense at times. The metrics are really bad for him. Third percentile pop time, sixth percentile framer. Um, but I think framing will be less important than it's ever been before in a couple of years when you know we have an electronic strike zone, which seems inevitable. I also think while the pop time is bad and needs to be cleaned up, you know, I'm not sure how misleading or kind of uh, hyperbolic that third percentile pop time is. Last year, he was like 25th percentile, which isn't good, but also isn't the disaster that this year's been. And for the most part, I, I was talking to someone who told me that the Nats arms, uh, that their time to the plate in general is around 1-5 as a staff, and 1-3 or lower is about, you know, where you if you're good at it where you want to be. So I don't know how much they help him. But aside from the fact that Ruiz has a lot of work to do defensively, how about the tear he continues to be on now at the plate? He had another big home run in this series against Boston since we last spoke. He had another three-hit game today on Thursday as we tape. So if you look at the updated numbers now, over his last 30 games, he is hitting 360 with an OPS that is over a thousand, and that's thirty games. That's a sixth of a season or so. And his OPS, it's not just you know about a thousand. It's let me do it real quick. About ten twenty. I mean, it's pretty amazing what he has done here for going on a fifth of a baseball season. And all of a sudden, because of that, you look at the peripherals, the numbers from you know what he was doing to this year. I'll say that a lot of the stuff is very very similar in terms of. Walk percentage, almost identical. He's was really hard to strike out last year. He's gotten even better at that. He's 99th percentile at baseball at avoiding strikeouts right now, which is amazing. He's 99th percentile in baseball at not swinging and missing, which is pretty astounding. He doesn't swing and miss in the zone really at all. Batting average balls and plays actually down, meaning he's been less lucky this year than last year as his average is up. But his on-base percentage is pretty much the same. The big difference for him is slug. He's gone from 360 to 416. And what I'm interested in as I look these numbers up for you know him this season, Toby, it's not like he's hitting more line drives or more loud contact. Like the hard contact last year was 28%. This year it's 29. He's hitting the ball soft less. Last year, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. His soft hit percentage is actually up this year a little bit. Um, so when you look at like, his line drive percentage, it's the same. His ground ball percentage, the same. His fly ball percentage is up minuscule. It's basically, though, that the ball's going out. Like, he's hitting more home runs now. There's more extra base hits. The slug is way up. And for this stretch, after a year and a half of you and me looking at the expected batting average and saying, doesn't really make sense. His expected batting average is 88th percentile in baseball. He should be hitting, according to XBA, closer to 290 than 230. I mean, he's finally having a stretch here where things are catching up. Like last year, his expected batting average was top 8% of the league at 277. And despite that, he hit 
what did he hit last year? 251, I think, like 26 points below that. Yeah. This year, 280. And until this stretch, he was down around 230-something. Now he's back up to 255. He's still minus 25 points. So he's just been really, really unlucky to some extent. And this is the beauty of baseball. You know, it's starting to even out for him a little bit. Well, and something that's very intriguing. So you hear Davey talking about this. You hear it on the broadcast at times with Charlie and Dave talking about him needing to be a little more selective. He's 99th percentile in the league. You brought it up in whiff percentage. He doesn't swing and miss. The problem with that, he's 21st percentile in chase rate. So he swings at a lot of stuff that he probably shouldn't, and he can get the bat to it. You know, I, I think of watching during this Boston series, Grant, there was a time when, you know, a, a 3-0 counts, and Joey Manessis swings out of the zone and puts the ball in play hard at someone, ends up not being able to drive in a run. I think CJ was at third. Those are the sort of things that Kbert hits himself in trouble with sometimes. Just because you can get the bat to it doesn't mean you should swing at it. You see it with guys all the time, and sometimes you want to be able to take and improve their zone swing percentage. So if the ball's in the zone, you can swing at it fine. But the thing that Kbert has done throughout the season is he'll go out of the zone and hit the ball. And some of these things, you know, the expected batting average and all these things, Grant, I mean, we, <laughs> we're we not smart enough to break down all the algorithms for it, but some of it has to do with exit velocity. And if he's able to put the barrel on the ball, but it's out of the strike zone and he's reaching for it, he's not going to be able to do as much damage as if that pitch were in the strike zone and now he can barrel it. And now he can drive it out of the ballpark. And so maybe part of the reason we've seen those expected batting average numbers be higher than what his actual batting average is, is he's being more selective now and it's allowing that number, the actual number, what you're seeing on the field go up a little bit. And so it's encouraging with him because we've constantly seen that the numbers really like him, but why hasn't it worked? And it might be as simple as if he can start dialing into the strike zone and making pitchers come into the zone and he can swing at pitches there then you might see a totally different Kbert Ruiz, and hopefully it's the Kbert we've seen over the last couple of weeks and really since the All-Star break because this is the guy that if he keeps playing like this, this sort of level, this is the guy down the road that the Braves will be doing what Nationals fans do all the time and be like, how the heck are they only paying that guy that amount of money? Because this is the one guy the Nationals have gone the Braves approach and already locked him up long term which is a good thing to have a catcher, especially with a young pitching staff that you know you're going to work with for a long time, but we hadn't seen the results at the plate that made you feel encouraged about the idea that that was the guy they decided to do it with. Well, now what you're seeing over the last couple of weeks, I think you got to be excited with Kbert Ruiz being the guy that you've got around for the Nationals for the long haul. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and just to back up something you said about Kbert. Uh, looking at some of the numbers, and, and Kev, uh, Kevin Franz and Nats TV and I were texting about this, and he sent me some of the numbers he dug up on the year versus recently. So this was this past weekend when we were texting, um, but I just pulled them up here. The season-long numbers for Kbert Ruiz show 
this was as of maybe six, seven days, not even probably five days ago, uh, that he was swinging about 50 percent. His swing rate was 50 percent. Um, now in this stretch, it's down into the thirties to your point. So like we already know you don't swing and miss you make contact when you swing, swing at the right pitches, you know, swing when the ball's in the zone pitches, you can do damage with you get one pitch, maybe in at bat that if you get your a swing off could be an extra base hit or you, you could do damage with, if you swing at the wrong pitch, it's a weak, weak ground ball. It's a pop-up, right? And I think more often than not, he's swinging not only in the zone, but on pitches he could do damage with, which has been a really, really good sign. But it's just become a blast to watch him right now and the way that he's he's going about his craft. But it, it is funny to me that, I mean, there's not really – normally I can go through all the numbers from last year to this year and find huge differences. Like some of them are just point-blank identical. Uh, for him, he's pulling the ball a little bit uh, less this season. Uh, but like we're talking about 49% last year to 44%, you know, center field, 36 to 35% opposite field, 20% to 18%, uh, ground ball percentage, 41% last year, 39% this year, fly ball was four twenty-five 25 to 24% line drive 28 to 26. So you can see what I'm saying. Like th- there isn't really any major discrepancies. I-, I just think that he's being selective and maybe swinging at better pitches and I think that that is a really, really cool thing for him. But, man, has he been awesome. And you throw it on the pile here with Abrams, who's been a monster in the second half. You know, him doing this. Hopefully you get a strong finish from Gore. You get Gray back on track. But in varying degrees, all four of those guys, the most import- four most important players on the team, you know, all plus signs, I would say, this season <clears throat> on a binary, like a one or a zero, they're all ones. Maybe Luis Garcia, who's now back in the minor leagues, is the only of the you know, the top five building blocks, if you want to call them that, that you'd put a minus on on for, for this year. Speaking of Abrams, we should get into him really quick because while he didn't start today, he did pinch run, and then he immediately stole second and stole third. So my C.J. Abrams stolen base tracker that I've been keeping, so first 77 games, he stole nine bags. Last 36 games, C.J. Abrams, 24 stolen bases. Yeah, it's incredible to see this. And you'll hear, you know, I asked him about this. You'll hear the interview at the end of the podcast. I asked him about it. And, you know, he talked about just getting on first and having the opportunity with no guys in front of him. I got to think there's got to be a comfortability factor, something there, Grant, because you don't go from stealing nine bags through 77 to basically stealing a bag two out of every three games. I mean, it's not even like the steals too real quick. It's also like, if you look at the attempts, the percentage of the time Mm -hmm. when he got on, he wasn't trying to steal. Like we would, we would just kind of throw our arms in the air on the pod and go, he's so fast. Does he know that? And it's like the, it's just zero to 100 here. I mean, it's crazy. He's become Ricky Henderson. Like he gets on and he takes off within a couple pitches. Where was that? Yeah, and I wonder if it's something where he just got more comfortable reading what pitchers were doing and getting the timing down and taking off. I don't know because, you know, he talks about having kind of that green light. Well, why did he not have the green light earlier in the year? Was it something the coaches were still working with him on? But, I mean, it's pretty obvious that he's found something and he's taken off all the time. And, I mean, this is a guy, I don't know what the pace is, Grant, but, if you were to look this up, I mean, this is a guy that would be among the league leaders 
every single year, he'd be getting around, what, 60, 70, 80 stolen bases if he were on the current pace he's been on for the last, you know, 36 games, like you said, 24. So, I mean, it's been absurd what he's been able to do. And assuming he doesn't get injured, he's going to steal 40-plus bags this year. He's a guy that going forward is going to be among the league leaders year in, year out with probably 50 stolen bags. I mean, even the guys that are... It's a 108 stolen base pace <laughs> over 162 <laughs> since he started ridiculous. trying to steal bases before the break. But I don't I don't know that even pitchers are trying to stop him because now they know and they can't. And well remember, I mean nobody's getting like the the percentage of success rate this year is like at 80%. That's another thing about Kbert Ruiz never throwing anybody out. Like yeah. yeah, he's not good at it and this staff doesn't help him, but nobody's throwing anybody out pretty much with the rule changes. Well, and that's the beauty of it, though, is like, yeah, nothing was happening earlier in the season for the Nationals on the base paths. And now every time CJ gets on, whether it's a walk, whether it's a single, you might as well get on second base because he's stealing it. And this is kind of our point with it, Grant. If CJ were to regress back to the guy that's just a light hitting singles guy, assuming they don't make drastic changes to this and slow down his stolen base rates. uh, okay, he gets on first base, whether it's a walk a light single in the infield. He barely gets it through a hole. All right, well, he's on second base now. It it doesn't really matter that he doesn't hit for extra base hits as much anymore if he can steal this many bags. So if you couple that with how he's been hitting, where he's hitting extra base hits and able to hit the ball out of the ballpark with the stolen bases, that becomes a guy that can become an all-star. Yeah, he has cooled back off pretty considerably, I should point out. In August in 15 games, he's hitting about 228, which is... Lower than his season average, but he's had plenty of months like that since he got here. And his OPS is 640, which is now pretty well back below league average. So that 891 ops in July uh, is in the rearview mirror. But the stolen bases, the aggressiveness, still very much there. And I want to say, too, he's played sterling defensively for the most part now for a couple of months. Like any questions, we never had them on this podcast about him as a shortstop know about whether or not you know you need to start thinking about another position or can he do this all of that was I thought ill-advised and certainly uh pretty early with a 22 year old but the defense has been great he's running all over the place when you play good defense and you run like he does and you can get on base a little bit like he has you know all of a sudden if you're only hitting 240 250 not the end of the world right but ultimately I still think the plan and the hope is he could hit around 280 get on base at I don't know if he's ever going to walk a ton, but you want him to get on base if he's going to be a leadoff batter, you know, up in the mid threes and uh, Denard Span style, ideally. And and then he can steal bags and really help create and manufacture some offense. But uh, he got the day off on Thursday as the Nats got yet another win.